0: Now this is the week when all of the churches around the world put aside their differences and we celebrate the one thing that unites us and what unites us is the death and the resurrection of God's son, Jesus. But I want you to know that this Holy Week begins and it ends with a celebration. But in between, man, there's a lot of heartache, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of grief, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering. And we have to have that because you can't celebrate unless you have something to celebrate, right? I want you to hear me and I want you to listen very carefully to the statement, and that is this everything that Jesus did in his life, he did for a reason. Everything he did had a purpose behind it. And I've kind of thought about this this week, and as we approach this ceremony or this service of Palm Sunday, I think Jesus gave us a glimpse of what was gonna happen actually before Palm Sunday. You all know the story of Lazarus, right? I don't know if you know this, but the story of Lazarus happens just a few days before Palm Sunday. Just a few days. And I want you to think about this. Here's Lazarus, he's from Bethany. That's where Jesus spent a lot of his time at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus because they were really good friends. They were very close and Jesus is away from the house and guess what? Lazarus gets sick and he dies and then Jesus comes back and here's what I want you to remember. You remember when Jesus came back to the house, a funeral turned into a celebration. Mary and Martha were sick to their stomachs. They have gone through one of the greatest pains that they've ever known, and Jesus comes to them and says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And what did Jesus do? He raised Lazarus from the dead. I wonder, I can't help but think, that Jesus was giving us a glimpse of what was going to take place on Holy Week. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. And I'm going to go to the book of John. I'm going to read John chapter 11, verses 55 through 12, verse 1. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the festive at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, today, once again, I declare, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, now, here's the first thing that we need to know. The story of the triumphal entry is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Now, here's why that's important. Whenever anything is recorded in all four of the Gospels, that means that something critical is coming. On top of that, there are no sick that need to be healed There are no dead that need to be raised. There's no storm that needs to be calmed. There's no Pharisees that need to be confronted. And there's no puzzling questions that need to be answered. And listen very carefully. What Jesus is about to do, he does on his own accord. Nobody's making him do this. He does this of his own accord. All right, now our story begins... With a couple of donkeys okay and to get the story right Matthew is the one who gives us the greatest detail about the donkeys so let's go to the book of Matthew and let's listen to what it says here as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord has need of them, and he will send them right away. All right, now, I'm gonna go back a little bit, and do you remember where it was that they went to get the donkey? It was Bethphage. That's what the Bible just told us. He sent the disciples to Bethphage to get the colt, to get the donkey. What I need you to know is this. Bethphage is the place that they always went to get the paschal lamb for the Passover. I won't we'll say that again. There's a reason why Jesus did everything. He sends the disciple to get the donkeys because this is the place where everybody went. The chief, the priest went to get the lamb that was to be sacrificed on the Passover. Aha! Right? You see the connection there? All right, now, so Jesus gets on the donkey. Actually, he gets on the colt of the donkey. There's two of them. Mama Donkey is with him. He gets on the colt of the donkey and he begins to make his journey to Jerusalem. In doing this, he is fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy. Here's the prophecy. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Oh, I love it how the scriptures are so detailed. Now, here's what I want you to remember. In the Old Testament, Whenever a king would come into his new kingdom, he would always come in on a horse. Not a donkey, a horse. And the taller and the bigger the horse, the better. When the king came in, they wanted people to be able to see their king on this powerful animal riding high, and they wanted them to see him way before they even got close to him. But Jesus comes on the colt of a donkey. Why? Because Jesus' message is this, coming in on the foal of a donkey means he's coming in peace. So there's two things that we learn right away. And Here's the first one. Jesus came as a gentle king. And the second thing, that as a righteous king, bringing salvation to his people. This is how Jesus is going into Jerusalem. All right, now, I need you to go with me now to Jerusalem, and I need to tell you something. The Roman soldiers missed it. They missed it. You see, right now is Passover time and Pontius Pilate is in town and he is given this instruction. Under no circumstances is there supposed to be any large groups of people getting together and creating riots. Keep the peace. And by the way, be on the lookout for this man named Jesus. Now why would they want to be on the lookout for Jesus? They'd heard about him. They know that he was a good guy. They'd heard about all of these miracles that he's performed. They knew all the things that he's done. But the reason that Pilate told them, be on the lookout for him is this reason. The church leaders hated Jesus with a passion. And he knew if there was a time when they came together, if there was a confrontation, it would be trouble. And so Pilate tells them, They call him the king of the Jews. So what do you think the Roman soldiers were looking for? They were looking for Jesus, this king of the Jews, riding in on a horse. And what does he do? He slips in through the gates on a donkey, and they missed it all. I want you to understand something. Jesus, the way he entered into Jerusalem is an acted out parable. And this is what he's saying. I am your king, but I'm not the king you expected. All right, can I just pause there for a second and ask you a question? Have you ever encountered Jesus and he's not what you thought he was gonna be? Now, the Bible tells us that the journey that Jesus had to make on this colt was about, well, three miles. And I just wanna tell you again about this colt. One more thing. This colt was one of those colts that was obviously low to the ground. So if Jesus would have straddled the donkey, this colt, you know what? His feet would have almost touched the ground. So Jesus is a little higher than the crowd, but not very much. Now he has a three mile trip to make. And now he gets on this colt and they begin to make the trip with the disciples. And then something begins to happen. You know what happens, don't you? People start gathering on the side of the road. And as they gather on the side of the road, they start throwing their cloaks down. And then they start waving these palm branches in the air. By the way, did you see me doing that this morning? Great job, didn't I? A little boy in front of me told me I was doing it wrong. That's all right. He was probably right. (laughs) Like this, Pastor Bob. Okay, no, we won't go there, okay? All right, so the people, what did they do? They They started waving the palm branches. Now, here's what I need you to understand. Palm branches were used as a time of joy and celebration. That was one of the reasons they were used. The other reason they were used was it was a sign of national independence. So it would be like you and I waving our American flags. USA, USA, okay? Now, here's what I need you to understand what the people were saying here. The people were declaring, this is the man and this is the day. All right. Now, there is a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus. Josephus was just a a regular guy, and he was a leader of some of the different organizations, but he kept history. That's what he did. And in his books, he talks about Jesus a couple times. But one of the things that we learn from this is that at Passover time, Josephus clarifies that Jerusalem could all of a sudden become a city of three million people. Three million people. Now, just think about that. Here's this town of maybe, you know, 40, 50,000. All of a sudden, it swells to three million. People came from all over because they wanted to be a part of this festive celebration. Now, what I need you to know is during this celebration, there are two topics of conversation. In other words, there are two things that everybody in this city is talking about. Number one is Lazarus. You see, he's just been raised from the dead. And word has got out. You thought the grapevine was was good today. Back then, everybody was talking about, have you heard about this Jesus, what he did with Lazarus? And then, you know, it was even more amazing. They saw Lazarus at Jerusalem. Can you imagine what that would be like? Look, look, there he is. There's Lazarus. That dude was dead. Four days they said he was dead. Hey, Lazarus, what was it like? Did you see a light? Well, all I know is that I was sleeping, and next thing I heard a voice, and I came back. I don't know what he said, but Lazarus was seen. That was one of the topics. You know what the second one was? Is Jesus coming to the Passover? Now, I don't know about you, but why would they ask that question? Here's the answer. In John 11, verse 53, it says, so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. You see, what happened was, is the raising of Lazarus from the dead was the miracle that got Jesus crucified. The Pharisees said, we've had enough. This guy has to die. He's doing too much and he's affecting too many people. All right, now, Remember this last year in 2020, it was an election year, right? Want to go through that again? I don't. All right, now, let me tell you something. What we went through in 2020 was nothing compared to what they went through in Jesus' time. Because first of all, I want you to tell you that it's not just two parties. There's three parties going on. And here's what I mean. First, we have the religious party, and that's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then we have a group called the Zealots, The zealots was a group of Jews that just hated the Romans. And all they wanted was to destroy. They wanted to see the Romans to be destroyed. And then you have the Jews or the Romans. So that's the people that are involved. But now I want you to understand, here are the three leaders that you got to worry about. And these leaders don't get along. Pontius Pilate, he rules the Romans. He's the one that has the say over everything. And then you have a man by the name of King Herod. And King Herod was over the Jews, right? And the Jews hated King Herod. And then you have a third person who's, part of the, who's head of the religious department, and that's Caiaphas. He's the high priest. Now, listen very carefully to this. There was one thing that all of these people, all of these different groups could not afford to happen. And you know what it was? For everybody to support Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. The one thing, that they couldn't afford to have happen is for the crowds, the people to demonstrate a public support of Jesus. All right, now, so Jesus is coming from Bethany to Jerusalem and he has to go over a mountain called Mount Olive, okay? As he gets to this place, what happens is the people in Jerusalem hear that Jesus is coming. So guess what they do? They run out to greet him. I mean, the Eastern gate where Jesus comes through is not a very big gate, and the crowds push through there. Why? Because they wanna see Jesus. As they get out there, guess what happens? They start chanting something. And what they chant is this, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine what that sounded like? Now that word, Hosanna, means save us now. And they were saying, we know who you are, Jesus, and we know why you're coming. Now this is a very important thing I don't want you to miss. When the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were identifying Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. I'll say that again. Because of what they said, they were identifying Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. Now, something happens here that I'm a little confused about. You know what it is? Jesus says nothing. Nothing. And that doesn't make sense. You know why? Because every time before when Jesus did a miracle or Jesus did a healing, do you remember what he did? Well, let me show you what he did. I picked one of these, and I want to go to the book of of Mark. Okay, Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to start at verse 40, and I want you just to listen to this story. It's real short. A man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant, and he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Now listen very carefully. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Here it is. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead... The man went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. What happened when Jesus performed miracles or healings? He told the people, see that you don't tell anyone. Why would he say that? Here's why. Jesus did not want his miracles and his healings to interfere with his teachings. Does that make sense? You see, Jesus wanted them to come to him, not for what he could do for them, but for who he was. He was the son of God. And so he tells them, don't go and tell anyone. But now here comes Jesus. He's coming down the hill. People are saying, identifying him as a long-awaited Messiah. And what does Jesus do? He says nothing. Why? because Jesus is telling us this, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the truth. And the truth is, that's exactly who I am. I am the Messiah. I wanna let that sink in. Jesus is accepting the praise. He accepting the worship because he is saying to the people, I am Messiah. All right, so now something happens that's kind of strange, and Luke is the only one who tells us about it. Let's see what it is. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. Jesus is crying. And he's not just crying, the Bible says he is weeping. Can you imagine the disciples that are following along? And the master's crying. Dude, he ain't just crying. He is weeping. What's he crying for? When Jesus came around the Mount of Olives, the city of Jerusalem lays out before him. It stretches out before him. And I really believe that one of the reasons why he has tears is because he knows that five days from now, he's gonna be on a cross and it's on a place called Golgotha and that's just outside the city on the other side. But I think more importantly, there's another reason why Jesus is crying. You know what I think it is? I think it is, is because here he is and he has presented himself to the people as Messiah and they did not recognize him. I know you're saying, oh, wait a minute, Pastor Bob, you just said, no, 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 this is what I said before. I said, by saying what they said, they identified him as the Messiah. But when they personally saw him, they did not recognize him. How do we know that? Because they crucified him five days later. But you know what's amazing, my friends? Even though Jesus knew and saw all those people who were chairman on would one day reject him, you know what? He still went to the cross. He kept his appointment with the cross. Do you realize how important that is? Jesus knew in the meeting that he had with his heavenly father, his father said, there's only one way that my people who have sinned against me can come back and be back in my presence. And Jesus, you got to die. And Jesus says, I'll go, I'll be the one. Remember what I told you before, everything Jesus does now is of his own accord. Jesus says, I will be the one. Why would he do that? Here's why. Jesus wanted to leave no doubt. He wanted to make it crystal clear. There's only one way to the Father and it's through Jesus Christ, his son. And you have to know that. Jesus wants the people to understand, here I am, I am the Messiah. I'm gonna do exactly what my father has given me to do. I'm gonna die the death so that I can pay for the sins of all who are here. And the disciples praised him. The kids cheered him on. And the parents were, woohoo, but they did not understand him. Oh, but the leaders of the church hated him. And there's three emotions that they experienced. Here's the first one, fear. The Pharisees were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus because they didn't understand him. And because they didn't understand him, they feared him, which led then to frustration. That frustration then turns into anger and the end result was they killed him, right? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to this, okay? Okay. My dear friends in Christ, Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen very carefully. When Jesus says, I am the truth, he's telling us, I'm a two edged sword. (coughs) Excuse me. And because I'm a two edged sword, guess what? I cut both ways. Here's what he's saying nobody can stay in the middle. You have to make a choice. Now, the people of that day had a question. Let's look at the question that they had. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Now, that word stirred means shaken to the core. There's something about Jesus that shook these people to the very core of who they were. The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. All right. Now, listen to this, and then we're about to done, okay? So Jesus comes and he presents himself as the Messiah. And as he does that, his presence forces all of those people who are there to make a decision. They all know they have to make a decision and it makes them very, very uncomfortable. And my dear friends, this is why Jesus came into Jerusalem. Jesus came to present himself to the world. Not just for those who are there living then, but for the entire world who would ever live from that point on. He came to present himself as Messiah. And to all of those people, three million people, everyone who was there, as they see him, all of them had to answer the question, who is this? And the people got it Almost right. Almost right. But I need to tell you, when it comes to Jesus, close doesn't count. When it comes to Jesus, you gotta be spot on. So as Jesus now comes, and he presents himself to all of us here once again today... If you haven't made that decision for Christ, guess what? You're here today because Jesus is presenting himself to you as Messiah. And you have to make a decision. You wanna know what the answer is? The Bible tells us. Because it's not just being close, you have to be spot on, here's the answer. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That answer and only that answer gets you into eternal life with the father. You want to know why did Jesus come to Jerusalem to present himself as Messiah? but also to force you to make a decision.